you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG, Marcus Grants, fully vaccinated, still dodging variants like Neo in the Matrix. You know the whole deal, yada, yada, yada. Ah, well, I know it is still summer in most of the country and most of the northern hemisphere. But for us, it's fall. It is officially fall. We are through two weeks of the preseason. Uh, we got one more week left, and we're a couple weeks away from the regular season starting. By the way, welcome to the show. Probably should have said that earlier. We got producer Justin alongside, and I'm so excited because the band is back together. Michael F. Florio has come back from his extended wanderings through the wilderness uh, and is now back with us twice a week through the rest of the season. Uh, Florio, it is, it's wonderful to have the band back together, man. How have you been in the last, I'd say a couple months since I, I've talked to you since then, but the last couple months since you've been on this show. I've been good. Uh, I'm super excited to be back. The long summer is over. Um, 
I've been doing a lot of stuff to kill time, Marcus. I've played a lot of Madden recently. <laughs> I've played more basketball the last couple of months than in probably the last few years. But uh, I'm happy to be back and just talking some football. This is what I love to do. So just just happy that the band is back together, like you said. Yeah, man, it's great. I know you've been doing you've been still doing the Sirius XM stuff. So I'm 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 yanking you away from Scott Engel. Uh, <laughs> I know he's the king. He's been doing it for a long time. But uh, Scott, you'll be fine. Uh, we're, we're bringing Florio back into the fold here. Um, so uh, plenty of stuff to talk about, although you and I spent the you know five or ten minutes before we started this show uh, talking about baseball and the Mets and the Dodgers and the like. Um, I don't think you really want to talk about that right now. Yeah, they're just going in very different directions. It's much more enjoyable to be a Dodger fan right now. <laughs> you know, it's weird because like, I know like we talked about this back in the spring, like things were looking up for the Mets and it just suddenly fell apart. They, they became the Mets again. They realized, hey. We are the Mets. We cannot have good things happen to us. <laughs> That's kind of what happened, unfortunately. Uh, all right. I guess speaking of not being able to have good things happen to them, that leads us to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who uh, played on Monday night their second preseason game, this one against the New Orleans Saints. On the scoreboard, it was a narrow loss, 23-21. Uh, if you watched any part of the game, it certainly did not feel that close. But the biggest news may be coming out of that, is that rookie running back Travis Etienne suffered a Liz Frank injury. He was seen on a walking boot uh, at the end of the night, was in uh, quite a bit of pain, apparently. So my question to you is not so much about James Robinson, because obviously that's going to be the pivot for everybody uh, now that Etienne is out for who knows how long. Um, but the, the question becomes then, whither Carlos Hyde? Do you, do you have any interest? Do you dare take any shots at Carlos Hyde? now that it looks like sort of a two-man backfield for the foreseeable future? I think Carlos Hyde is going to have a role. Um, I mean, he's been in each of the preseason games, he has been the second running back to come into the game ahead of Travis Etienne. And in fact, he has two targets this preseason. James Robinson doesn't have any, which is a little concerning there. Um, But I'll say... I don't anticipate myself drafting much Carlos Hyde, maybe in deeper leagues or as the James Robinson handcuff. But outside of that, I don't think he gets enough work to be like a flex option on a weekly basis. And this is a team that, while I think they're going to try to run the ball more than they did last year, I still expect them to pass a lot because they're just going to be trailing in games, as we saw yesterday. I, I'm with you that I, I don't really have the, the stomach to try and draft Carlos Hyde in a whole lot of spots. But you, you brought up an interesting point, and it's something you and I talked about, was that he was getting a lot of work in the preseason. The fact that you mentioned he was the second running back on the field last night. It was Robinson getting the start, then it was Carlos Hyde, and then Etienne. Um, after Etienne got hurt, we saw a lot more Hyde kind of filling in the gaps. I had been under the belief this whole offseason that Urban Meyer was basically throwing up smoke screens when he said Carlos Hyde was going to work in, that Robinson and Hyde were going to be their first and second down backs and ETN as the third down back. I didn't really believe it, but he has sort of operated that way in the preseason. Now, obviously, it's down to kind of two guys there. Um, I'm still sort of, you know, waving the flag for James Robinson like I have been this whole offseason. But, you know, at some point you, you got to kind of believe that maybe Hyde was going to have a role and it was going to be a three headed rotation. We'll never know that. Not not anytime soon. Um, but I'm starting to, to kind of wonder. The other part is, Florio, watching the Jaguars the first two weeks, my one takeaway is that offense looks hard for them. 
like it looks <laughs> difficult, right? And we saw, hey, look, I, I look, the Saints have some players on defense. Like, I don't want to take anything away from them, but it just looks really difficult. And so all this sort of intrigue I think we had with you know the Chenaults and the Joneses and, and the DJ Charks. Um, are you starting to to get a little bit concerned about some of those guys just because the, the offense looks like it's so lost right now? Yeah, especially when I tell you that my most drafted quarterback this year is Trevor Lawrence so far. (laughs) I'm a little bit worried. I have a ton of Marvin Jones. I don't see myself shying away from Jones just because he's pretty cheap. You could get him in like the ninth or tenth round, and I think that he very well could lead this team in receiving yards and touchdowns this year. I I don't think that any one of the three has really taken a a step ahead of the other two yet. Um, But my biggest concern right now is – the blocking for Trevor Lawrence. Like, yes, I get that, especially up front, the Saints defense is really good. And they're one of the better defensive units in the league. But, yeah, it looked pretty rough yesterday. Lawrence did show flashes, right? Like, he had that one throw that he made from the end zone where he was running through across the body, and it was a dart to LaVisca Chenault. But I'm still worried about can they protect this guy because he took a lot of hits and – I keep saying he can add points with his legs, and he showed us yesterday, like, hey, he can run, and I expect him to run near the goal line at times as well, too. But if you can't block for him and he's taking big hits, he it it's, puts him at a higher risk of getting hurt. And if he gets hurt, we know this offense is just going to crash. We saw last year what it could look like with Garner Minshew or others at, at the helm, and it wasn't pretty. So um, I'm still feeling pretty optimistic about Lawrence and and the receivers, but I will admit that optimism has been lowered after watching the first two preseason games. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of feeling the same way. My only hope is that we'll see guys. You mentioned Marvin Jones and the draft value being relatively cheap. Uh, you know, Lavisca Chenault. I I would accept. I expect that you know his ADP is going to drop a few slots, and even guys like James Robinson. I mean, I know he's going to be more popular, but I I wonder if people are going to just generally kind of shy away from the Jaguars' offense and just kind of be hands off. In which case, I'll I'll take the discount on James Robinson if it comes uh, in the next couple of weeks. I- are you thinking Robinson RB one or RB two? Because I'm thinking more as an RB two. Oh, he's an RB two. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not thinking he's an. He will be the Jaguars RB one, but no, for yeah. fantasy, he's he's an RB two for sure. Um, which, by the way, I know people were saying that like you know anybody who was drafting James Robinson was using bad process. I guess that's the 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 thought going out there. Maybe I was, but I just never believed that he was going away in this offense. I thought and he would share time. But that's it. To to give you credit, Marcus, you were the first per like back in like december or january it was i think you were the first person saying like everything went right for james robinson this mm-hmm. year he is not going to be this way next year and i think even with etn gone like carlos hyde is a bigger threat than anything robinson had to deal with last season yeah no absolutely i mean he there was no competition last year there was always going to be competition this year um like i said i didn't think they were going to go out and draft one of the three best running backs in the draft <laughs> class i didn't predict that happening but i thought there was going to be competition so i guess in that respect that's why i always felt okay drafting robinson where i did because it sort of looks like the way i thought it would look uh to some extent all right uh in chicago we have been waiting with bated breath to see what matt Nagy was going to do with his quarterback spot of course Everybody wants to see Justin Fields. He is, uh, you know, the new local hero there in the Windy City. And uh, Matt Nagy, because he wants to crush the hopes and dreams of Bears fans everywhere, has said that Andy Dalton is going to be his starter in week one. Um, To his credit, he has sort of been holding this line for a while. Uh, 
I don't know if it's that he doesn't want to run his rookie out there against Aaron Donald and the Rams in week one, especially after seeing Justin Fields take a wicked shot over the weekend. Maybe that uh, really sort of solidified that. But I think we're all agreed that at some point Justin Fields is going to start. How long do you think it will be? And, and does that affect when and how you're drafting him? Yeah, I'm drafting Justin Fields as a – if I miss out on the elite quarterbacks, I tend to grab, you know, like a lower-end QB1 and then a high-upside QB2. And Justin Fields is like him, Tua Tungavailoa, Trey Lance. Uh, those are kind of like the high-upside twos. You can put Trevor Lawrence in there if he doesn't go as a QB1. Those are the guys that I'm kind of chasing as my second quarterback. I continue for months. I, I, I know it's a popular thought, but – I continue to think week two against the Bengals is when Justin Fields makes his first start. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think Justin Fields missing that free rusher and taking that absolute shot was all that Nagy had to see to be like, yeah, I don't want that (laughs) shot coming from Aaron Donald, the biggest dude in the NFL. I don't want him ending Justin Fields' career before it even starts. So I think, though, that this could be like a – Tom Savage to Deshaun Watson situation where Dalton gets the start. And if it's looking pretty bad, we could see fields come in at some point in the second half of this game. But the reason I continue to think week two is because the bears get a stretch after this Rams game where they face the Bengals, Browns, Lions, and Raiders. Then they get a stretch against the Packers, Bucks, Niners, Steelers, a bye week and the Ravens. That is such a tough stretch (laughs) against defenses there. I don't think you want to throw Justin Fields into the fire then. I think you want him to have a month worth of starts against easier defenses, and then you could kind of ease him into this really tough stretch that is going to decide the Bears' season, in my opinion. And this is a Bears coach in front office that they need to start winning. And I know they made the playoffs last year, but they need to turn things around. They could be playing for their jobs. I don't think you're going to want to go down with Andy Dalton. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I'm I'm being a little more conservative here, and I'm going to say week four, just because. So you've got that Rams game, the Bengals game. Why why not let Andy Dalton have a shot against his old team, right? Let let true. him let him you know get his revenge game in against the Bengals in week two. Then in week three, just like you don't really want Justin Fields having to duck Aaron Donald. I don't know that I want him running from Miles Garrett either. So maybe I let him. But then in week four. It's the Lions. And then in week five, it's the Raiders. So that's my, my goal. My, my guess right now is that week four we see him. Um, and so, so, so that way they ease him in. And then, as you mentioned, that's just a brutal gauntlet, though, with you know, Packers, Bucks, Niners, Steelers, Ravens. I mean, that's brutal. So, <laughs> so I think the, they can get it ready for that. The one thing about Fields, too, that I, I just said I love him and I've been targeting him because I think – I mean, we've seen it in the preseason, Marcus. This guy can just run with the best of them. And I think he's a better passer than like a Jalen Hurts or a Trey Lance. So I think his ceiling is a little bit higher than those guys. I know that could be a little hot takey. Everyone loves Trey Lance right now. <laughs> but that middle stretch of the season, like are you going to feel confident starting fields against the Bucks, Niners, Steelers, and Ravens? No. Nah. That, that's the one thing giving me a little bit of pause. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, side note to that, is it weird that Justin Fields and Trey Lance, who we are pretty certain aren't going to be starters in week one, they're going ahead of a lot of guys that we know are going to start. I mean, like they're going ahead of guys like 
you know, say what you want about Kirk Cousins and, and you know, his on-field performance being sort of inconsistent. We know he's a starter. Tua Tonga-Vailoa, we know he's a starter. Ben Roethlisberger, these are guys that are all going to start week one. But people are taking shots at Lance and Fields when we don't really have an idea when they're going to be the starter. That, that feels a little bit weird to me. It is. I think there's a shift in thinking the last couple of years in fantasy football, and I'm guilty of it myself. Like, I used to target safer players, and now I do the exact opposite, right? Like, I go for upside, and and the Russian quarterbacks we know, Marcus, have more upside than quarterbacks who don't run. But I also think there's been a change of thinking, and again, I am one of these people myself. I don't care. Like, There used to be a narrative like you want to start the season off well. And some people still abide by that. To me, I want to finish hot, right? Like, Because how many times do you see the number one seed get bounced in the first week of the playoffs or something like that? And you see a a team could sneak in as a sixth seed to get hot and win it all. So for me, I want these players who I think at the end of the year could really push me over the top and win me a championship. And I, I think that a lot of people have kind of changed their thinking to do that. And I think part of it, is a little bit of a best ball influence with it getting more and more popular. I think people are just thinking now highest upside and not so much about like early season safety. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I just it was just the thing that I've noticed and was just kind of you know wondering wondering when this happened and why. But I think that that makes as much sense as as pretty much anything. Um, some positive news out of New York: Saquon Barkley is taking part in team drills. We have sort of been monitoring his recovery uh, all offseason long. Things like there seems like things are heading in a positive direction. Uh, what is your concern level? Is it less? Is, is it more? I mean, how are you feeling about Saquon at this point? Uh, I still kind of feel the same that I have for the last few weeks. Like I'm not going to take him in the middle of the first round, like we had seen him going like in early drafts this summer. But I think in like the middle to the late part of the first round, like I have him behind Jonathan Taylor still, but like once like Zeke and Taylor are kind of all, and Aaron Jones are off the board, I'm fine taking Saquon there, whether that be like picks 9, 10, or, or 11, 12, something like that. Um, because again, my thinking is maybe he's slow to start the season. And even like slow for Saquon Barkley could be – you know, 12 to 15 touches, he could still put up 20 fantasy points on 12 to 15 touches. He is that explosive. But if, you know, come the middle and end of the season, if he is the Saquon Barkley of old getting 20 touches a game, that is a guy who could win you your league. So I am still fine uh, taking him in the middle to the late part of the first round. Who do you think has bigger question marks, Saquon or Zeke? I feel like both of them people are sort of hesitant on. I'll say Saquon because his is injury related. And to me, I think injury is always a little bit riskier. But I'm glad you brought this up because I've felt for a while this summer that like I've warmed up to Zeke, you know, especially watching him rap gifts and stuff on on Hard Knocks. It's been fun. (laughs) But I I'm for a while like I felt like I was the only one being like Zeke really his efficiency has taken a hit the last couple of years, even with Dak and Tony Pollard is a really good backup but it, it felt like for most of the fantasy community, they were just like, Zeke is going to be awesome with Dak again. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've sensed a little bit of hesitancy. And, and for me, just uh, one, the offense becoming more Dak-focused, understandably. Um, and, and as you mentioned, Tony Pollard, man. It just seems like the Cowboys like him and want to work him in more. Not enough that, you know, not enough that Zeke should fall out of the first round. But enough that, you know, I'm definitely not feeling comfortable just plugging him in immediately in my top five anymore. So, um, And we're yeah. almost fully back to him being like a 
top five lock again. Like very rarely does he not go in the top five. Right. I mean, you know, it's just weird. I feel like there's 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 three guys I really love: CMC, Dalvin, Derrick Henry, Kamara. I'm I'm okay with uh, as my my fourth, and then five. I can go any number of ways. I can go Saquon. I could, you know, maybe go Saquon, maybe Zeke, but more than likely Travis Kelsey. Um, it's just, yeah. it's weird. It, it's weird right now. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower. 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he didn't it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like (sighs) being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I want to talk some real or mirage with you. Some uh, A handful of... of 
headlines, you know, opinions out there uh, and, and your thoughts on whether like we should really be paying attention to this or is this just chatter because we got nothing else to talk about. The first one, uh, a story out of New England that Bill Belichick has not completely ruled out a QB platoon. Now, this was before uh, the story about Cam Newton having to be away from the team because of COVID. And that's another question we can get to in just a bit. But, uh, you know, let's just assume that week one comes, both he and Mac Jones are ready uh, and available and ready to go for the, the Patriots. Do you buy this idea that Belichick could go with a platoon at quarterback? Yes, I, I've been all summer long putting it out on like Twitter and on SiriusXM saying like I Bill Belichick is he loves to be one of the smartest coaches out there. Right. And I think he might have looked at what the Colts did last year using Jacoby Brissett near the goal line to just plug in like rush in those touchdowns. And I've been worried, like even if they turn to Mac Jones. Like, we joke around about Sean Payton not caring about her fantasy team. We know Bill Belichick doesn't. And I think I could definitely see this being a situation where, like, they run an offense similar to what they ran with Tom Brady with Mac Jones. Like, a lot of short, intermediate safe throws, a lot of dump-offs to the running backs. But when they get near the goal line and get in the red zone, they could just bring in Cam Newton because we saw it last year. Like, he had – I think it was 19 carries inside the five yard line and the running backs combined didn't even have night. Like they, I think they had 14 altogether, something like that. Like he had more than their entire running backs because it's just so hard to stop someone with Cam Newton size, taking the snap and directly running. So I am not, not discounting that this could be a possible situation and it would be awful for fantasy. Absolutely awful. And, and uh, we talked about this with the Saints pretty much all summer long. Um, and now it looks like it could really become a possibility in New England. Um, obviously, the the side note to this story is that Cam is away from the team for most of the week after what's being called a COVID test misunderstanding. Um, while he has not said whether or not he has been vaccinated, the just anecdotally and just kind of watching him uh, suggests that he has not. He's been wearing masks during outdoor practices. Uh, you know, the reports are that he, when he was away for treatment, he had to be tested every single day. So all the signs point to that, which, side note, look, last year we obviously knew we were going to have to be prepared for COVID-related absences. That hasn't really changed this year. And I know it's a thing we haven't talked about a lot, I think, as a community, but I think it's a thing that that we need to pay attention to. And whether it's Cam Newton, whether it's Lamar Jackson, whether it's Kirk Cousins, Cole Beasley, you can go down the list of all the guys who have been very vocal uh, or at least very dodgy about their situation is this is a thing that we have to pay attention to, certainly as fantasy managers, but as football fans, too, because now you're looking at guys who are making decisions that are not helping, not only help, not helping themselves, but not not helping their team and i know that the the line has been from a lot of these people that this is a personal decision um my my pushback on that is that players make a lot of personal decisions that they feel like are in the best interest of the team if they want to stand there and pretend to be leaders and talk about what they want to do to help the team this is it this is sitting down and getting a shot that you know millions of people have already gotten in the name of general safety and trying to help people around them if you aren't willing to help the other 50 some odd guys in your locker room then you do have to sort of wonder about these guys commitment to the team uh and then just as a side note 
it does impact us for fantasy. That's probably the least of it right now. Um, but it is a thing that, you know, is, is starting to become bothersome. And now as you see some big name guys uh, potentially impacted by this, uh, I feel like it's a thing that, you know, we're going to have to reckon with. But more than that, just just get the damn shot, man. I <laughs> I completely agree. But to put the fantasy spin on it, like we've already had it in like Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley now are out for five days. If this was in the season, they would be missing a game that week. We've already seen Kirk Cousins and the entire Vikings quarterback room miss a preseason game because of this. We've seen now we're hearing that the Patriots are annoyed at Cam Newton because of this. Like, and we have heard coaches say, like, yes, there is an advantage to be having a vaccinated player over an unvaccinated player. So that could help impact the uh, roster decisions. I know no superstar player is going to be left off the roster because they're not vaccinated. But, yeah, I think I think it's hard to quantify. But I'll say this, like, use it as a tiebreaker at the very least. Like, if you're de- drafting a QB2 <laughs> and you're debating between Kirk Cousins and someone else, that could that be what pushes you in the, in the direction of someone else. Yeah, uh, and my last thing on this is uh, Jerry Jones uh, was quoted on a radio interview, but, uh, you know, he says, look, the common good takes over. I'm arm-waving here, but that has everything to do with the way I look at our team, the Cowboys, the way I look at our society. We have got to check I at the door and go forward with we. Your Dallas Cowboys are doing that. So, um, look, man, I know Jared is about his bottom line a lot of times, but this, this helps everybody. I can't wait for the Hard Knocks episode where they're just all getting the shot. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, just guys lining up and sitting down and you know, getting jabbed in the arm. That'll be a riveting television. Uh, last thing on this Patriots thing. Who do you think is going to be the starter week one? Um, before this whole COVID thing, and let's say that it's not a big thing, I think Cam Newton starts week one. Um but I think Mac Jones makes more starts this year. I think Cam Newton gets one more shot to keep the, you know, see what he could do with them. But I don't think this is a Patriots team that, you know, I, I expect them to compete for a playoff spot. But like, I, I think they will go through some rough stretches. Cam did look better in preseason week two. I will give him that. But if he looks anything like last year, I think they turn to Mac Jones. Yeah, I feel like you know this. Once upon a time, this might have been Cam's job to lose. I don't. I don't think that anymore. I think this is a real, real competition between him and Mac Jones, and I'm, I'm curious to see how this this turns out. Uh, all right, that was a long, uh, real or mirage. Didn't expect it to go that long, but okay. On to the next one. Uh, we're on to Cincinnati. Uh, Jamar Chase could possibly lose snaps to Auden Tate. Uh, the, the drops have been a real story for Jamar Chase the first couple of weeks. But do you think it's bad enough that maybe he becomes a second string receiver in Cincinnati? I think this is a mirage. And look, all credit. I know you had Ian Horowitz on recently. Um, he loves Auden Tate. And so credit to him. But Auden Tate is a preseason baller. Like every year he goes out <laughs> in preseason and puts up numbers, makes catches that have us uh, our jaws dropping, and then he kind of just fades away in the regular season. Not saying that's fair to Auden Tate, but they went out and they drafted Jamar Chase fifth overall over uh, you know offensive linemen, which they needed to address. There's the connection there with Joe Burrow. Plus, this is a Bengals team that. Yes, they have a lot of fun, exciting pieces, but I don't expect them to compete this year. And I think realistically, they themselves are looking like, hey, maybe next year could be the year where we could take the jump when Joe Burrow is hopefully fully healthy with this whole knee injury behind him. Let Burrow and Chase and Higgins all grow and develop together. I don't I don't expect Jamar Chase to 
lose snaps at all. Although I will say I also have been on the side of Jamar Chase is getting way overdrafted because mm-hmm. he's going as a top 20 wide receiver on some sites. And at that price, you're either hoping for a historic rookie season, something like what Justin Jefferson did, or you're drafting him at his absolute ceiling and he can only disappoint you. I feel like the volume is what has everybody interested in Jamar Chase. Just seeing how much the Bengals threw the ball last year. Before he got hurt, Joe Burrow was averaging 40 pass attempts per game, which is just an insane number. But I think a lot of people are expecting that's probably what's going to happen this year. Um, All told, because of the draft price, I don't think I have Jamar Chase in a lot of spots, if at all. Um, I've been perfectly happy sitting back and grabbing Tyler Boyd in the seventh or eighth round uh, and being thrilled with that, expecting that he will probably be in the neighborhood of 100 targets again. He's going to get a whole lot of opportunity, uh, and the draft price just feels a whole lot more better on what's going to be a pretty bad team. So, um, But all that said, I still think Jamar Chase is going to be on the field a lot, and I'm with you. I don't, I don't think that we're going to see Auden Tate out there as a starter. Uh, they spent the fifth overall pick, and like you said, they're not going anywhere this year. They sort of know that. Uh, let Chase get his growing pains in. Let him work it out on the field. Uh, I think that's that's probably what's going to happen. Um, everybody's being coy with their starting quarterbacks, right? I mean, Matt Nagy finally announced that, that Andy Dalton's his guy. Kyle Shanahan has sort of been uh, hinting around that, you know, he's not ready to announce it just yet. But I think we all sort of agree it's probably going to be Jimmy Garoppolo in week one. Uh, and now you got Ron Rivera. Basically saying that, you know, it's a competition there in Washington where once we all thought that this was Ryan Fitzpatrick's job, you know, just locked up. Um, the, the doors open a tiny crack for Taylor Heineke to maybe be the week one starter. Are you buying that at all? I am not buying it at all. Look, he, <laughs> he played well the other day. I won't take that away from him. But Ryan Fitzy, man, the bearded wonder. First of all, I'm a huge Fitzpatrick fan, so maybe I'm just selfishly rooting for him especially because I think what he can do for fantasy for Terry McLaurin and those guys is better than anything a Heineke can do. But you brought Fitzpatrick here for a reason. Like this is a team last year that they showed they had all the pieces in place. They just kind of need a quarterback there. And I don't think Fitzpatrick can lift this team to like a Super Bowl, but we've seen him go on extended stretches where he can play really well. And they don't really need a superstar quarterback to win this division. I don't think, um, I'm just expecting it to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think they brought him in for a reason. Although I will say, Heineke, if anything happens to Fitz, like if he goes through one of those low points where they bench him or if he gets injured or anything, Heineke is kind of like Fitzpatrick 2.0 to me. Like he has a strong <laughs> arm. He's just going to look downfield and throw it up. He's not afraid of uh, to throw an interception or anything like that. And he he's a little bit more mobile than he gets credit for. So I think either way – Having a backup like that makes me less worried about like McLaurin because we saw last year when there was a quarterback change, his value really took a hit. I think that's maybe the the key point there, right? Just because there aren't a lot of people drafting Fitzpatrick, you know, outside of Superflex or two QB leagues or anything like that. He's just not getting that much attention in drafts, but we all love him because of what he means for all the pieces around him, for what he means for Terry McLaurin, uh, Curtis Samuel, whenever we can get him back on the field. Uh, which, side note, how do you feel about Logan Thomas this year? Because I'm really starting to get – I'm starting to buy in a little bit on Logan Thomas right now. I, I went from being completely like I'm not going to pay a price for him to warming. Like he was my tight end seven in rankings. Mm-hmm. I don't have a bunch of him because I just tend to wait on the position. But 
I've been on Curtis Samuel, and the longest Curtis Samuel, the longer he is out and the more volume that we're seeing Logan Thomas get, the more that's kind of shifting a little bit for me. Yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't have a lot of Logan Thomas because I've gone the other end where I'm just grabbing elite guys early. But uh, there've been a couple times where I couldn't get one of those top three guys, and I felt okay about drafting Logan Thomas sort of in the, the middle to late rounds. Um, anyway, Fitz is probably gonna be the starter week one, but if for whatever reason he goes Fitz on us and we see Taylor Heineke, maybe we don't have to panic quite as much about all the other ancillary pieces around him in the offense. Um, all right, last real or mirage it wasn't all that long ago that there was a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth in Indianapolis and in fantasy circles because Carson Wentz was dealing with an injury that was going to keep him out uh, in that handy sum of five to 12 weeks, which I still can't quite wrap my head around. But anyway, uh, it appears that things are on the up and up in Indianapolis and Wentz is back working out with the team. People are surprised at how his progress has been. And there's talk that he could be the starter in week one Real or Mirage, we're going to see Carson Wentz under center for the Colts when they start the regular season. I'm saying real. I this is The Colts have been very optimistic since Wentz and Nelson had the same weird foot injury one day apart. It was <laughs> such a strange occurrence. But since then, they've been, they've been saying like, hey, five to 12 weeks, we expect it to be on the shorter end of that. Uh, maybe miss a couple of games, but they never really said that. His season, or even much of his season, was in jeopardy. He's back out there on the practice field. I know this is the last week of preseason, and it feels like the season is right around the corner, but we still have two and a half weeks to go for Carson Wentz to get acclimated. So I think he'll be out there. I'm not too interested in Wentz himself for fantasy, but I think obviously Wentz being out there rather than their backups helps Michael Pittman. It helps Paris Campbell, T.Y. Hilton, if, if you're going deep on, on them. Um, and I really think it helps Jonathan Taylor as well. I, you know, I, I came into this offseason sort of believing that Wentz could be resurrected, going to Indianapolis behind that offensive line with Frank Reich. Um, more than anything, though, it, it did give me confidence about Michael Pittman. It even, you know, talking to Eric Moody, uh, he, he sort of pumped me up about T.Y. Hilton even a little bit. Um, you know, again, not outside the very late rounds, but enough to sort of believe that T.Y. Hilton might have one last little bit of something there. I haven't quite gotten back on the Wentz train uh, with all these reports, but it does make me feel a little bit better about, as you mentioned, the wide receivers, about Jonathan Taylor. Um, and, and, you know, kind of makes me think, okay, maybe there's something here uh, that we thought about back in the, in the spring and early part of the summer. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. That leads me to a running back edition of Higher or Lower. The last time we had you on this show, it was near the end of May. Um, and look, I, I know how you feel about certain guys. So I, I put together a list of five running backs to get your thoughts on where you are on these guys now versus where you were, say, a couple of months ago. And the first one is the aforementioned Jonathan Taylor. Because from the jump, I mean, you have been all about Taylor early in the first round. I feel like his ADP has fluctuated all throughout the summer, especially on the Carson Wentz news. So as we sit here on August 24th doing this show, how do you feel about Jonathan Taylor versus where you were, say, a couple months ago? So versus a couple months ago, I'm kind of the same, but versus a couple of weeks ago, I'm definitely higher. Like when the Wentz and Nelson injury news came out, I was like, even me, a bullish Jonathan Taylor uh, supporter was like, all right, I can't take him in the middle of the first round. Maybe, you know, back end of the the first round is fine. But, like, sixth overall was a little bit tough to justify. Um, I'm back now. Like, I'll take him fifth, sixth overall again because I think that 
the O-line being healthy, like Kelly has also returned to practice. So like that is huge. And I think with Carson Wentz dealing with this foot injury, what it could lead to is him running a little bit less because that's a part of Wentz's game that wasn't a part of Phillip Rivers' game, right? Like he'll feel that pressure and he's not afraid to roll out, scramble a little bit. But with that, this foot injury now, maybe his first thought instead of rolling out is, hey, where's my running back? Let me just dump it off real quick. Um, so I think that Jonathan Taylor could still see a good amount of volume. Uh, I think he will see a lot of volume, but I think he could be utilized more in the passing game than uh, his detractors want to give him credit for. And just on the ground, he's running behind one of the best O-lines in football, and I think he's one of the best pure runners in football. So I'm very bullish on Jonathan Taylor still. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't worry about Jonathan Taylor's pass-catching ability anymore. I, thought, I, I felt like we learned last year that he can do that, and it, you know, it was a thing that I always said. Just because you've never seen a guy do something doesn't mean he can't do it. He didn't do it at Wisconsin because that's just not how their offense was. But I I felt like he did a very good job of it. My, I guess, only real worry is I just don't know what they're going to do with the the running backs behind him. You know, what what happens with Naheem Hines? Um, You know, is Marlon Mack fully healthy and do they try to work him in? You know, uh, I was reminded... Uh, recently that you know, we had Jordan Wilkins games last year and people yeah. freaked out <laughs> over that sort of thing. So that's the only reason I have any real concern about Jonathan Taylor. Otherwise, the volume is going to be there. And I do think a late first round ADP is is pretty reasonable uh, for, for Jonathan Taylor, all things considered there. The, the one thing, I, like the thing with the running backs, I completely agree it is a concern with Hines and Mac looking like he never tore his Achilles. Um but last year, Jonathan Taylor played like 40% of the season snaps and still finished as a top 10 running back. Yeah. No, I, I look, I, I love what he can do. I just, you know, I want Frank Reich to personally email yes. me and give me some clarity. <laughs> <laughs> tell me how Every week, works. tell us what the snap distribu- distribution yeah. is going to be. Yeah, he just, you know, hit me up, Frank. Uh, you know, <laughs> just, you know, know, email something, call. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll work it out. Um, the other guy that I know you love, love, love is Austin Eckler. Um, and I feel like opinions, I feel like the, the, the consensus ADP on him has sort of stayed the same, but I think the disagreement is about the range of outcomes for Austin Eckler. Um, I know you are very high on him. Has your opinion changed at all in the last few months? No, I, I have been high on him since the start of last season. And I will say it was a lot more fun last year being an Austin Eckler supporter when a lot of people were off of him compared to this year where like it feels like almost everyone is like, yeah, Austin Eckler's going to be really good this year. It's just not as fun. Um, but the reason I love Eckler is last year in games where he stayed healthy and Justin Herbert played. So take away the first game with Terod Taylor. He averaged nearly eight targets per game and almost seven catches per game. Both would have led the running back position. And he was giving you over 19 fantasy points per game. That would have been the RB6 on the year. Um, And in the last two years as a whole, he's the RB6 in points per game. So for him to be a top five back, he just seems to be a little bit, basically just as good as he's been. And I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. And Marcus, you just said something that you say a lot is just because a player hasn't done something or been asked to do something doesn't mean they can't. And I am applying that rule to Austin Eckler just because they had Melvin Gordon before. And last year was a weird year where he tore his hamstring early on and they didn't ask him to be utilized near the goal line. I don't think that means he can't be a a back that is used within the five yard line. Like I don't anticipate them, you know, on an obvious first and goal at the one to bring in Austin Eckler and try to hammer that one in. But 
teams need they don't know what the Chargers are going to do when Austin Eckler's out there. They can't stack the box really against him because he's such a great route runner. So, you know, if you're on the four or the five, I think you could still bring in Austin Eckler. And I just want to throw this out there. In his career, smaller sample size, he has turned 37% of his touches inside the five-yard line into touchdowns, which is a higher number than Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, guys that we don't worry about at all converting those touches into touchdowns. So I'm not saying he is going to get these touches, and if he doesn't, I'll be worried. But if he does, and I think it is in the realm of possibility, I think that he can go on a run and maybe even be the RB1 because then you're getting Christian McCaffrey-like production, a great runner, a really good receiver, and maybe even some you know, eight to ten touchdowns, something like that. Eckler is one of my dark horses to finish as the RB1 this season. Uh, also, I think you just struck a blow to the handful of Larry Roundtree truthers uh, <laughs> that are out there. Um, I don't think there are many of them, but they probably do exist. If you look hard enough, I'm sure you could probably find some somewhere out there. Josh um, Kelly had a whole hive of people supporting him last hey, year. Look, I admit, like after the first week, week or two of the season, I was starting to become a believer with the way they were using him and the way he played in those first couple games. Um, and then it all sort of fell apart. And I think I think everybody sort of jumped off that bandwagon at this point. <laughs> uh, Najee Harris, who we obviously all loved in the draft, I feel like he has steadily been moving up the ADP board uh, as we've gone all throughout the the off season. Um, again, I know you like him. Do you like him more now after we've seen him in a couple of preseason games? Yeah, I do. I'm definitely higher on him than I was two months ago. Like giving credit where it's due. Friend, of, I know really good friend of yours, friend of the show, James Coe on draft night was saying like he is an RB one should go at the end of the first round. And I was like, all right, if that's the cost, I'm probably not going to have any Najee Harris this year. I had him more as a high end RB two, but seeing him dominate snaps with the starters, seeing him get a lot of carries and, you know, they're targeting him. They're throwing him the ball. Ben, big Ben was throwing him the ball the other day. He broke out that 40 plus yard catch. I have now moved him up. He is a low end RB one for me. I like him a lot more if you could get him in round two than in round one. But I have, if like I'm on the turn, like 12, 13, like I have taken him on that turn. So I've definitely increased my, uh, his ranking and I, I've come around on Najee Harris. I, you know, I did the same thing where I took him at that 12, 13 turn. Um, you know, I, and again, it's the weird mental thing I do where I, I purposely took him at 13 instead of 12 <laughs> to say that I got him in the second round. I know it doesn't really matter, but in my head it does. So that's it, why I do that. <laughs> I, I will add one spot that that matters is in keeper leagues. Like if you're in a keeper Very league, true. take the mm-hmm. guy that has the upside of being a better player next year. Take him with that second pick on the turn, not mm-hmm. the first. That, that's that's a good point. Uh, this was not that, but you know, this is just my own. <laughs> it's uh, fun. Exactly. It's just my own thing. It's more so. fun to say, hey, if he breaks out, say I got him in round two. I got him in the second round. <laughs> you know, <laughs> somebody who was a first round pick, I got him in round two. So that's what I did. Uh, I, I recently... Uh, did a, a TikTok where I said uh, Miles Gaskin was a guy that you are drafting too high um, because this came after Brian Flores made a comment that they have three guys that they want to use situationally. Um, I didn't get a ton of pushback, but there were a few folks that that sort of questioned that. And then Miles Gaskin went out and sort of balled in uh, in preseason week two. So now I am all turned around about what to think about Miles Gaskin. How do you feel about Miles Gaskin now versus say end of May? Very similar to you, because I lowered him into like RB3 territory after that 
first preseason game. And I was saying, like, yeah, I do not want any part of Miles Gaskin. And then preseason week two, like, not only did he – was he the starter? Like, he dominated the touches early on. They were throwing to him. He scored two touchdowns. I kind of think I'm settling on him where I originally had him, <laughs> which is a low-end RB2 that does have some more upside, like, in the same range for me as, like, a Mike Davis. Like, I have those two very close – and I think that's kind of where I'm going to settle on Gaskin. I think that's kind of where I am, too. Like, I think after all the ups and downs and arounds and rounds, we, we probably had it <laughs> right at the beginning. Um, and we just we just let information overload sort of sort of cloud our judgment. I, I still think we're going to see Savan Ahmed sort of work in there. We're going to see some other guys. I know Malcolm Brown right now is the smasher of fantasy dreams. Uh, and, and we may we may see him get some work in there. Um, but you know, like I said, after Flores made the comment about using three backs to go out and see Gaskin play as well as he did in the preseason, you know, it gave me reason to think uh, and sort of reevaluate what I had previously. Still, just a little worried that Brown is the new Jordan Howard, like you said. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> which Jordan Howard is still on our at least as of you know this morning. I think last I checked, he was still on the Eagles roster. Um, Jordan Howard is the new Jordan Howard now. It's- he is. It's just <laughs> man, I. I I, I'm I'm curious to see whether or not he makes it through the entire preseason uh, if he ends up on the regular season roster. But he's still there for now, so I don't know. If he doesn't, he'll end up in like LA or something like that and steal it. Like he's he's always going to be a thorn in someone's side. It feels like. I mean, look, Daryl Henderson has a thumb injury. Uh, you know, I know they're saying he'll be there for Week One, but if you're Sean McVay, you go out and get some insurance just in case. Mm. Just, I'm rooting for the Rams to bring Todd Gurley home. That's what I want to see. Them <laughs> time, time is a flat circle. <laughs> Todd Gurley comes back to Los Angeles. That'd be great. Uh, all right. My last one here is David Montgomery, who has become something of a hype bunny, I think, over the last few weeks. I think people were sort of meh on him. Um, but I, I have since a steady fantasy community drumbeat about David Montgomery and starting to, to draft him a little bit higher. Have you been a part of that or are you still just kind of meh on him? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely higher on him. It was about a month ago, I or maybe a little bit over a month ago now, I started to realize that I was too low on Montgomery. I was holding things against him. I expected the opposite. Like I thought people were going to be really hyping up Montgomery and I was going to be like, "No." But it it was kind of the opposite of that. Like he was going outside the top 20 running backs or borderline top 20 running back, and I was looking at it like, "Hey, I can't be the guy hyping up Jonathan Taylor and what he did at the end of the season against a very favorable schedule and hold that against David Montgomery. <laughs> so I, I, especially with Tariq Cohen being slow to come back and Damian Williams is a good back, but I don't think he is the threat in the passing game that a Tariq Cohen was. So I think Montgomery is, I mean, a naggy every chance he gets says he wants to give this guy 20 touches a week. I have raised him. He's still an RB two for me, but I have him, ahead of Chris Carson now like those two guys are my RB2 targets because you could get them in like the third and Carson's been going in the fourth round lately I don't get that at all um but I have them ahead of like for me at least ahead of like J.K. Dobbins Josh Jacobs uh Miles Sanders stuff like that so I really warmed up on David Montgomery and he's actually approaching my top 15 running backs now yeah, I've, I've been drafting Montgomery in a lot of spots lately. And, you know, everybody talked about that schedule at the end of the year uh, and, and how, one, hey, look, he took advantage of it, right? There are plenty of times we look at a guy and says, hey, he's a re- really favorable schedule, and then they don't do anything with it. So credit to Montgomery for actually taking advantage of that schedule and then throw in the fact that, at least on paper, the schedule looks pretty good again this year. 
that may change. We may see a couple of defenses that are better than we anticipated. But at least for now, with what we have to go on, schedule still looks pretty good. And as you mentioned, no Tariq Cohen. We saw last year Montgomery catch the ball very effectively. Um, and let's keep in mind, he's only going into his third season. I, I know it feels like we've talked about him a lot, like he's been around forever. Like, this is year three for him. Um, so maybe we can expect him to continue to improve and, and do more work there. So I'm, I'm fully on board the David Montgomery train. Uh- I think I think people made up their mind on Montgomery after his rookie season, mm-hmm. and they just they can't get past that. Especially like you know that graphic that we always joke around about. <laughs> like that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, like I think a lot of people were just like, "This guy stinks," and like they've they've kind of just had their mind made up. Yeah, I mean, look, I was big on him his rookie year. There it is, <laughs> right on cue. Uh, I love that Justin just has it. Uh, he just has it like locked and loaded and everything. Yeah, I, I love I was, that the athleticism they went with is Sony Michelle, the least yeesh. athletic of those running backs. Yeesh. Yeah, I, I was a huge fan of him his rookie year. And like, I don't think he was terrible. He was just like, eh. And I just think, you know, again, he was sort of victim of expectations. And then last year he started to pick it up. And now this year, I think, uh, I think there are bigger and better things coming for him. Um, Real quick, I got a bonus one for you because I just saw this kind of come across my Twitter timeline. Uh, Dan Campbell says he is worried about DeAndre Swift's uh, conditioning uh, as he's coming back. Um, he has been one that I have stayed away from. I don't know if, if you have a different level of excitement about him. I can't quite get behind it, but I don't know how you feel right now. I mean, you know, last season I loved DeAndre Swift and I was all about him. But this year I have been avoiding him. I don't really have much at all. I, I think I'm going to have him in a keeper league, but that's because I could keep him in like the sixth round. Um, but they're saying not only his conditioning and not only was like injuries a concern for him last year, but he's dealing with an injury now. And they're saying week one could be in question for him. So I don't have a lot of of DeAndre Swift, but Justin like this, I have a lot of Jamal Williams. I think Jamal Williams is like an RB4 is a really good pick because I think he's going to be utilized more than we give him credit for. And if Swift goes down, Jamal Williams, I think, becomes an RB2 right away. I have looked at DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins similarly in the sense that I've spent more time drafting Jamal Williams and Gus Edwards. Like, I just I just have. I think, I think both of those guys are going to get pretty significant workloads. Um, as you mentioned, if the guy in front of them goes down, then they're going to eat. Uh, and both of them can be had anywhere from six to eight rounds later. Um, so that's that has sort of been my my process uh, when it comes to those two top running backs in those two places. So, um, dude, it's good to have you back. I'm glad to, it was glad good to back, be man. back. It, was, yeah. it flew by. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. So uh, hopefully you all enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoy putting it out, because this is going to be our life for the uh, the next few weeks, next few months, I should say, uh, twice a week. We'll also be just a, a programming note. I know at some point in the near future, we'll probably be moving these from Tuesday to Thursday to Monday and Wednesday. Uh, we'll let you know kind of when that happens, but uh, sort of be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, do one-legged ducks swim in circles? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we'll see you on Thursday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.